Hello, it is Thursday, June 25th. Massive show. Hey, big one today. Exclusive interview with a legend. Couple of them. Hashtag this where I'm at, Pat. Take a picture where you're listening to the show. Be a part of something special that we're building for the end of quarantine. I can't thank you enough. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend. If you don't enjoy the show, just act like this never fucking happened. And also, shout out to Roman. Obviously, everybody knows Roman is the men's health brand that is trying to help you be the best you. Whether it's hair products, skin products, you name it, they have it to make you the ultimate you. The thing that we are currently uh, selling you and informing you about is... Quarantine sex is a real thing, okay? Get a little bit boring. Why don't you have some long sex? Why don't you have the best sex you've ever had in your life? Why don't you have sex after rubbing some Roman swipes on your shaft? Yes, Roman swipes are these geniusly crafted swipes that you rub on your baby maker moments before fornication. And it'll make you have longer, better sex. And it won't transfer to your partner, so nobody will even know that you were taking a performance-enhancing swipe. It arrives in your door, at your door, in discreet packaging. It's small enough to go in your pocket. Nobody will know you have it, and nobody knows that you have a secret weapon, a tag team partner in your pocket that's going to make you have longer, better sex. And right now, go to GetRoman.com forward slash Pat. Get free two-day shipping right now. It's a good deal. It'll make you better in a sack. GetRoman.com forward slash Pat. Let's get into this. Joining us now. One of our favorite human that we humans that we've ever spoken to. He has a beer company, and in essence with that, he has a coffee company. Ooh. So because you have the beer at night, what do you need in the morning? Wakey, wakey, give me coffee. This man is a baseball legend, World Series champ. You! you. Kevin Yukolet. Yeah, yeah. Hi, boy, you. Good morning. How are you? How is it over there at the Loma Brewing Company? It's nice and quiet. <laughs> What's uh, so? You, that is obviously West Coast. It's eight oh six. I can't thank you enough for waking up with us. I assume you had some of your coffee that is launching soon. When's the coffee launching? Uh, well, it's a daily discussion oh, where no. we're trying to figure out, you know. But three weeks, four weeks from now, hopefully in Portland, Oregon, will be open. Okay. <laughs> I can't get over this AJ Hawk picture in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know AJ? I, I don't know him personally, but I'm an Ohio guy. You know, I went to the other, you know, university down south. Oh yeah, so. the state of Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, yeah. University of Cincinnati. Yeah, University. Of, yeah, let's go Bearcats. Hey, let's go Bearcats. Hey, Luke Fickle's got a good squad down there. By the oh, way, yeah. football yeah. team's got a good squad. Yeah, this is AJ Hawk taking a dump on a throne of lighters and cigars, and then up here is all the things that he hates in the world. I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, it's. I've had conversations with very serious people, and he's just been sitting on the john right over my shoulder the entire time. You're the first person to bring him up, though. It's gorgeous, and the fa- and the facial expression is, is hands down my favorite part about it. Yeah, we got questions, dude. That's what the face is about. The face is, I don't understand what you're saying. Let's talk about baseball. Yuke, yesterday, massive day. You said, when the last time you were on here, you said, yeah, everybody's, everybody's happy, it feels like. You said, if it's not 80 games, let's not talk about it. I don't think 80 games is ever going to happen in a negotiation. Got 60. If you're going into this season, you're not. I, I believe you're coaching, but if you're a player going into this season, what is the thought with a 60-game season? 
Yeah, like everything in COVID. I mean, what I thought two weeks ago, I'm done with that. I moved on. <laughs> now I'm cool with 60. I just want to see baseball. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I just love to see competition, right? And we just haven't seen a lot of competition on TV. So I'm excited. And uh, yeah, this is going to be wild. I mean, 60 games, you're going to see a couple teams that are going to be in the in the postseason that wouldn't probably be in the postseason. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's not the Pirates. I know ah, <laughs> son of a bitch. Hey, it's plus 50,000 right now. $100 bet wins you 50,000 on the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. Hey, you never know, though. Yeah. I mean, with 60 games, you never know. They get hot. They get out that gate. They stay hot for another, you know, four weeks. They might put them in. They might get lucky. And, you know, the trade deadline's what, August 31st now? Mm-hmm. Even wilder. So, hey, you never know. I mean, your Pirates might pull it off, but I'm a Cubby guy now, so I got to say we're going to try to take you guys down. Okay, I can respect that. What is the thought as a Cubby guy now? Is there messaging being sent out to the team? And how have the guys been able to keep the rust off during this quarantine? What? Because I assume it's pretty hard to get BP when you can't go into parks and stuff like that. I assume it's pretty hard to play catch when you're not allowed to be around other people. How have the guys been able to stay fresh? And is that July 1st spring training 2.0 going to be an ugly little cluster truck of performance? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing. A lot of intra-squad, a lot of uh, guys facing uh, you know, the same pitching over and over and over. But it's all about just getting timing down. So the 2.0, like hitters need three weeks. Pitchers, uh, hopefully they've been doing all their stuff uh, with their programs. I mean, there's so many batting cages now and so many facilities to work out at. Uh, so these guys have been you know, pr- you know, working out at home. The, the pitchers especially, I mean, that's the key right now is those guys' arms need to be fresh. They need to be going. And I think it's just going to be wild because – we are in uncharted waters. I mean, we've never seen this before. So three weeks of spring training will be pretty interesting. My hope is that we just don't see a, a spike in injuries because guys are trying to rush. Yeah, that's what you have to worry about, right? Is in, in football, it's always the hamstring. Like the hamstring is always the thing that goes first. It's always in practice. It's when they're running. Okay, that guy's either worn out. That's why these uh, Russian GPS tracking devices that they use are so important because when people are fatigued or being overexerted, that chance of injury is going high. This spring training 2.0, could cause a lot of that let's talk about the pitching um are guys going to pitch longer are we going to see more complete games you think they're going to be shorter so they can rotate more often how do you think that'll be managed throughout this shorter season yeah i don't i don't see that these guys now they just come out trying to throw a hundred and go five and dive i mean they don't even care anymore <laughs> they leave it to the you know these guys are trying to throw as hard as they can throw spin you know they're trying to spin it they're trying to get those sexy stats on the rap soda machine. So, I mean, I think there are those guys that still exist. You know, you got your, you got your Verlanders, you got your Coles, you got your, uh, you know, um, Scherzer, you got, you got, you got those big dogs that will go a little longer uh, than usual because the season isn't as long. So I think it more depends on, you know, the pitching staff, uh, also the, the, the quality of their arms at that point, too. I mean, some guys might have dead arm, you know, just going into the season. So th- th- this is really fascinating to see because this actually favors the Washington Nationals more than ever to repeat in a lot of ways. Because huh. think about this. When you have that shortened gap of a postseason on October, you know, the end of October to spring training, it's usually because the pitching staff doesn't rebound as well the next year. You know, a lot of guys are fatigued. They pitched longer, so they need more of a break. Now, these guys have had a long break, and they got some big dogs there that can pitch. So uh, this actually helps out with the ability to repeat. 
you going off that with teams like the Nationals and like the Yankees and some of these other teams who are really top heavy in their rotations, do you think they'll stick with five man rotations or do you think they'll go down to like three or four to maximize how many starts these guys get? That's a very good question. I think I think you're going to see at the beginning you're going to see a five man rotation, uh, and you might even see some people do a six man rotation. I, I mean, it, it could people can get really interesting with this because you, the rosters are expanded now, right? So now you have I think it's a thirty. There's like thirty mm-hmm. guys that can be on the team. For What's the first normal? Weeks. What's normal? Well, it was twenty five, and then now they changed it to twenty six this year, which is awesome because now you add that one player. Uh, whether it be a pitcher or a position player that you can add to the roster, and that really helps out teams. But I think it goes 30, 28, 27, I believe, is how it yeah. goes throughout the weeks. But the six-man rotation, and then I think you were going to say maybe they'll get shorter towards the end of the season whenever it matters. You kind of turn them around quicker? Yeah, so so now you have the ability to go to a four-man rotation later in the season because guys, you know, it, it, they're not pitching over 162 games. So, you know, you go in those last couple weeks, you can set yourself up for your pitching staff on your rosters uh, for the postseason. So, oh, wow. That is sexy. <laughs> super sexy. It doesn't matter what number pitcher it is, Yuke. I'm taking that song, bitch, yours. That <laughs> boy. I'm Just con- make sure you take the first pitch, though. You got to take the first pitch. Amen. I did. By the way, I played in a game. I played in a game for the first time in my life ever playing baseball, Washington Wild Things, Frontier League in Washington, Pennsylvania. And I was told by every professional baseball player that I spoke to, the first pitch is going to be the easiest pitch to hit out of that whole thing. First pitch I ever saw in my entire life in a batter's box was like a 91-mile-an-hour fastball. Swung at that some bitch, made contact, got gunned out at first, pulled a hamstring. <laughs> So that's how it all – that's how the whole thing went. I mean, it was a great little uh, trip down memory lane there. Diggs got something for you, though. Yeah, you with with it being a shorter se- season, are the Seashells. coaches coaches going to have a shorter leash on the starting pitching uh, with more emphasis on the games being a shorter season? And, and then who has uh, the upper hand with the shorter spring training going into the season, pitchers or batters, to start the season? Yeah, so it, it will be interesting to see. I, I think, like I said, the, we, we have no idea how this is going to play out, but I think the one key that will happen is guys will be on a shorter leash uh, in the sense of you have more players being able to come out of the bullpen. So you're going to have a couple more bullpen guys in there that uh, you know might be able to you know be the stopper. But uh, I think you know with a shorter season, I mean, it, this is – I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to put my head around it and it, – I don't even know how to manage this, right? I mean, the the fact that you're you're on pitch counts early on and doing all that, but I, I mean, and then you have the young you have the young pitchers that are studs that they usually try to you know shorten them up anyways. They're not trying to go 105 pitches to save their arm for future use. So, I mean, these guys in the bullpen are going to be coming out throwing mud, and I think <laughs> that's that's also the key too. Are the the bullpens that are very very strong will have the ability in a two-month season to stay as fresh as possible. So watch out for those bullpens. I mean, look at those teams that have the depth in the bullpen, and they're going to they're gonna be a very tough team to beat. Well, the good news about the Pirates is we would have had a very deep bullpen, but we got rid of everybody because they uh, wanted to get paid mm-hmm. actual money. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing for the Pittsburgh Pirates. The health and safety guidelines, <laughs> the health and safety guidelines were the thing that needed to be modified, the player said. What do you know about these? Nobody has really leaked other than the spitting thing. There's no spitting. You're not allowed to do this. Maybe need a splatoon for everybody hanging off of their hip like a 12. I don't know what they're going to do, but what is the travel? Have, has they gotten into travel? the rules at the stadiums anything like that has that been laid out 
I haven't got all that information yet. I think I think that is the key, though, to this, though. Think about this. The key to, to winning this year is also who doesn't get COVID. Because when guys are going to get COVID on teams, and we're seeing it already, they have to they have to be quarantined for a couple of weeks. So if a team somehow has five guys go down with COVID, that could be the detriment of the season right there. So that is going to be the most interesting aspect of this is, will those guys come back? You know, are they going to be healthy enough to come back? And, you know, just trying to figure out how to keep that out. I mean, if COVID breaks out, that could be the end of that team season, possibly. So it, that I think the health of the COVID risk is going to be probably bigger than hamstrings being pulled or, you know, Tommy John's. So they might need replacement players about halfway through this thing? <laughs> is that what you're saying? Well, they have a very deep roster right now of uh, guys that they can bring up. So, you know, if you can slide your way in there. The Birmingham I mean, I the Barons. Pirates, the Pirates will take you for less money, too. If you if you, if you you decide to go for, you know, and be, right. and be a scab and go across the picket lines, okay. you can do this. All right. Okay. <laughs> what do you do for the Cubs now? What do you do? Is this your first year doing this? No, I've been there for uh, six years now. Kind of just. Um, <laughs> what a great. Great host right there. That is, <laughs> that is something I should Do not feel bad. Most people have no idea what I do. What so do you do? Are you like a hitting coach over there, like Mark McGuire? I go there in spring training. I go throughout the season, uh, just sit around and uh, help out with the coaching staff, uh, throw BP, kind of talk to the players, kind of tell them how great they are. I mean, you know, as, a, yeah. you know, as a coach now, all you got to do is just build, build egos, man. Just yep. build up the egos. Tell them how great they are. Tell them how much you stunk, and they're the greatest. That's the key. How long Pump egos. these seasons are so long for you guys. I, I tried to fathom it a couple weeks ago when there was a thought that there was potential replacement players and that whole thing about somebody who's never been in the MLB doing the MLB, even if they played in high school or college or whatever, but to cross the scab, you had to never be a minor league player. So that whole thing, that season seems so much different than every other sport. I would assume that like, mental health is a big deal in this entire thing and there has to be i would assume that there's ways to try to break up the monotony of the season is that is that am i wrong in thinking that or in you coming in there probably by the way in speaking is probably like a little bit of fresh air for the cubs as they've been around each other for however long every single day of the week basically yeah i mean baseball is such a mental grind it, it i mean you you don't even know where you're at some days i mean you're hopping on a plane here you're going there you're you're getting in at 3 a.m. in the morning trying to get sleep and you got to wake up early the next day and your alarm clock automatically goes off at you know 9 a.m. So it, it, it's it is physical in a way because there's just long games and the running and, and all the pound and, and being in cleats for three and a half hours is just miserable some nights. Uh, but, yeah, I think the mental side of it uh, and I always joke around, man, when you when you leave baseball and you played, you know, five to ten years in, the, in, the, in Major League Baseball, you're not right in the head after it. <laughs> so, you, you're, we're all kind of a little goofy after it uh but it's a great you know it's a great time and and that's what separates the separation is the mental side of baseball the guy there's so much talent like once you get to double a you you can play at the major league level you have the talent to play at the major league level the really? separation is the mental side where guys make adjustments you know guys sacrifice their you know time of like, partying or doing the little things you know, and getting, you know, like you said, the monotony, the boring part about baseball is the practice. You got to it's repetition after repetition after repetition. The guys that take all the ground balls, the guys that work on their base running, that do the little things are the guys that usually make their way up. So it is I mean, baseball can be boring. You wake up every day. It's the same thing over and over and over. 
but it also helps if you have those really good routines in place, which is also known as superstitions to a lot of people. Yeah, football is uh, Groundhog's Day as well. It's like a six-month Groundhog's Day with the games being a little bit different, but the meetings, the day you eat at this time, you work at it this time, you go to bed, you wake up, you put that on repeat for five months. In baseball, when you're doing that all on the road, I mean, that, that is just a different... You're like rock stars, by the way. That's like a rock star life. And everybody that is... Uh, you hear rock stars talk about being on the road, about how much it's taken out of their lives. And that's what baseball is. That's what I'm so impressed about, I think, the entire thing, is just the ability for 162 times to show up. Now, granted, it's only going to be 60 this time, so maybe this is my year. And you said if you get the double A, you're good enough to be in the majors? Yeah, so, yeah, once you get to double A, so get yourself to double A. Well, now you have a chance. That's the key. Double A is the key. Excuse me? You get to double A, you, you have it. Excuse me? What is the Birmingham Barons? They are double A. I made it to double A. So what mushrooms do I need to take or DMT to get this <laughs> mental thing right to get up there into the majors? Because the Birmingham Barons, Michael Ooh. Jordan's old team, told me that uh, they can maybe give me a little spot, a little bit of a, a tryout, I believe. Yeah, I would go with ayahuasca. I think a little bit of ayahuasca <laughs> will take you right where you need to be. You know, get the right shaman. Yeah. You know, hopefully he, he knows how to square up some baseballs and, yeah. and put you right in, right in the mode that you need to get into. And we got to videotape that. Oh, yeah. Videotape that oh, ayahuasca. yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to. Dix, what's up? <laughs> Duke, is there any difference performance wise for players if there are fans in the stands or not? That's, a, you know, that is probably one of the most interesting questions right now is I, I never played a game without fans you and especially in boston pirates, man like the energy of the fans i mean that was what and i think that's why 162 games it's important to have a fan base when you play in a place where there's no fans the monotony is even worse right i mean it's i i, I couldn't imagine like i would say this tampa bay rays you know how they get to the postseason win games with with a very small fan base that shows up is it's impressive because it is not easy to get up every day and play a game. But when you have that fan base behind you and just getting that adrenaline rush, that is the key. So, yeah, this is going to be really odd. I mean, hopefully they pump some some noise, like oh, fans, yeah. you know, fan noise when a guy gets a hit. Uh, because otherwise it's going to be boring. All right. Well, Yuke, every time I talk to you, I feel like, hey, I, I think I would have been friends with this guy. So I, I thank you for joining us, bub. Well, thank you. Always a pleasure. And look out for the beer and coffee. It's coming your way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Send some over here. I can't wait. We can't wait to have a little Loma Brewing Company beer sitting right here. Probably it'll probably go right here next to Mangold stuff. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, this is I Nick like Mangold's it. barbecue sauce. I like I like whenever ex athletes kind of get into their own business and do their own thing. I'm all about promoting it. So you'll go right here, bub. Right here. What type of beer is Love. it again? Is it one of them thick beers? Uh, I'm going to send you a Loma Vida Mexican lager with a little mm. bit of lime. Oh. oh, yeah. The Loma life, baby. Uh, <laughs> then we're going to give you a Blonde Ale with mint, oh, a hazy IPA, I love that. And, a, uh, <laughs> and, a, and a regular IPA. I think you're going like to I, I like the makeout session, which is the, uh, it's a, it's the love in the time of Corona. Uh, that's the blonde ale with mint. If oh, you got no the analogy there, oh. blonde with mint. Oh, oh. oh. You dog, you. <laughs> look at you, wow. ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. No, wait, wait. I asked you as soon as we started our first conversation. I said, how did we get to this point? And you got distracted by the Marlboro uh, Red that was in. Uh, oh, yes. that was in yeah. his. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. How did we get here? When, at what, how did you get here? Did you start here? Like, where did you, how did you get all the way to that point there? 
Well, actually, in college, I was like Chuck Knobloch. Mm. I'm trying to do it here. Mm-hmm. Chuck Knobloch with a Jeff Bagwell split stance. And I slowly just kept getting my, yeah, oh, yeah, keep going more. But then hold your bat that way. Straight back. Mm-mm. Other yep. way. Yep. Oh. Yes, like that. That was how I hit in college. Go oh. look it up. You can see it on the university at University of Cincinnati. This is why I didn't get drafted right there. <laughs> <laughs> they said there's no way this guy can hit, and then I was like, "Oh, I'll show you. I'll make it even weirder when I get up to the major leagues." Is that that's probably a part of that mental battle though, right? Trying to figure out what works. Let's get here. I feel smooth, and I would assume that top hand was a timing thing when it came down, right? So basically, yeah, I'll, I'll explain it to you. My, I couldn't. I had a hard time trying when you load. If I went backwards with my front arm, it, it made me cock my shoulder too much. So this is something that too is like you get in the analytics and stuff that now they use is like it's all scientific terms. I just say I loaded too much. I turned internally, rotated too much. So what I did was I kept this left hand still and just moved this right hand like this. So it wouldn't deter me it, it would you know basically keep me from turning too far so i would turn in just enough and then get to the ball so yeah i don't really know what the hell i was there it is Jeez. no pepper hey you, you can't play pepper at uh, johnny benchfield no pepper hey it worked though what you did i mean it worked so good for you for finding it but damn i don't know if anybody else is ever going to look like that there pal i don't know if anybody else is going to do it not everyone can be as sexy as me, you know? True. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, World Series champ, Loma Brewing Company owner, and the coffee title is? Loma Coffee Company. <laughs> you see, Brand's Loma energy. Brewing, Loma Coffee, uh, Kevin, you, 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 Eucalyptus. Thank you. We have to get to a break for radio 25 minutes after the hour. I enjoy that dude a lot. He's Fast. a man. He's very good at baseball, too. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. On the road, I bet you that. I bet you he was a great personality on the road. Mm-hmm. Coming off of that thing, 10 years just on the road, 260 days a year, whatever it is. I guess it wouldn't be 260. Maybe. I don't know. Like 250. Yeah. <laughs> it's right about there. That is insane, dude. That's a grind. That is an absolute grind. I don't know. Mentally, I'm not sure I could do that. But the minors are even worse because they're on a bus the entire Yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. Woo. 26 minutes after So sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you right meow that today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Take a look in the mirror and I guarantee you'll see some hair sticking out of those stupid holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean shaven pubes. I've a massive sniffer and hair coming out of my massive sniffer is a massive problem. Insert weed whacker. It is built to get in there in a beautiful fashion. It is built to corner the nose hair trimmer market because it is gorgeous and it lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. So if you have a massive snoz like me, you can go to work. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Are you fucking kidding me? Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. 
This is the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium ion battery. That's why it lasts up to 90 minutes. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? That might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Think about it. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. Yes, you'll get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Wow. That's a high percentage, by the way. 79%. 21% people said, you know what? Long nose hair, not a fucking problem. But 79% said that's a major turnoff. And those 79% are right because I don't even like seeing it coming out of my snaws. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code McAfee at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and hairs out of our holes. Gone. You get it. 20% off and free shipping with code McAfee at manscaped.com. Shout out to the Weed Whacker, the Lawn Mower, and manscaped.com. Code McAfee, 20% off and free shipping. Hello, massive day, McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. I am Pat McAfee. Two to my left is AJ Hawk calling from a vacation home down in Florida. And in between us is one of the most electrifying football players to ever step on the field. He's allowed to be associated with USC again after a 10-year disassociation. Ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champion, Heisman winner, the Reggie Bush. I appreciate that, man. That's one of the best uh, intros I've ever gotten. Well, you deserve a lot more, to be honest with you. I tried to get it quick so we could get to this conversation because I've been very excited about this. Thank you for taking time to join yeah, of us. Course, yeah, thank you so much. This morning, you had to be dad of the year. The fact that you made time for us is a big deal. Let's get right into it. How has this entire process of getting back, linked back up with USC been? I assume it's been a bit emotional to kind of take a trip down memory lane and kind of relive the glory days back whenever you and USC took over everything. Well, I think uh, emotional would be an understatement. Um, this was uh, something that, you know, this is USC. My stop at USC is where I became a man. Um, it's where, um, you know, the, the guys that I play with on the football field push me um, to the uh, to my abilities. To the things that you saw on the football field was a, was a reflection of the culture that we built and the reflection of the guys around me. And so, you know, if you're to, to say that, you know, what happened with me and USC was emotional would be an understatement because this was something that almost killed me. Um, this was something that, you know, I went through during my uh, NFL career that uh, where I was depressed. Um, I was suicidal. Um, I went through a wave of emotions that um, really affected me in such a way uh, because I was in New Orleans by myself. Um, I didn't have family there. I have my teammates there, but, you know, as AJ knows, when you go home after practice, you know what I mean, and you have that time by yourself, um, you know, and, and, and for guys who are married, they, they go home to a family. But for, for the young guys who aren't married and, and who don't have that at home, um, you know, there's a lot of time by yourself. And there's a lot of time to think and there's a lot of time to meditate on certain things. And if your mindset, and if your foundation is not in the right place, um, that can be deadly. And, and, um, and that can be. Um, you know, something that can, you know, can, can, can truly hurt you. Um, and so for me, the things that I went through at USC, um, you know, I, when I look back on it um, and, I, and I look where we are now in 2020, 
Um, I appreciate um, what's about to happen. I appreciate the fact that these young kids are going to make money off their name, image, and likeness because I know what it's not, what it's like not to be able to do that. I know what it's like to 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 kind of still be hamstrung, um, you know, at the college level where the universities are making millions and millions of dollars off of you, but you can't make any money off of you. And, and what that does now, you know, what I what the way I see it is now we're going to allow people to be able to make money at a very earlier at a, a earlier rate, and also they're going to be able to take care of their families right they're going to be able to eat a little better right their life is going to be just a little bit more comfortable and that's the way it should be when you're in college there's this narrative and this misconception that you're supposed to be broke in college right you're supposed to be broke and you're and, and you're supposed to build, still be struggling and you're st supposed to still be trying to make it and figure it out right but at the same time somebody else is benefiting off of your name image and likeness and so all we're asking is just for a little piece. You know what I'm saying? Y'all making millions off of us, so just let us make a little bit of money off of us at the same time. Reg, how much do you think uh, a current player can make off this name, image, and likeness? Like, say you're quarterback at USC and you guys are rolling. Yeah. How much do you think a guy can make um, in Yeah, you, you know, I honestly, so, for example, Matt Leinart at that time period, I think Ooh. Matt could have made millions. Yeah. Millions. Because he won a Heisman Trophy. Um, we had won a national championship. We had been to two national championships. I don't know, just one, sorry. Um... And, and no, sorry, two. I'm, I'm apologize. <laughs> we have been to two national championships, and um, you know, I think he could have made millions and millions of dollars. You know, in LA, in Hollywood, um, you got to think Los Angeles brings a different culture that no other city can really offer. You know, um, and maybe New York, places like New York City, you know, have that 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 you know the um, the opportunity to be able to do things like that. But you know, I think Matt Liner could have made a lot of money. Obviously, Lindell White. Um, Brian Cushing, Clay Matthews. Um, I mean, we had so many guys that, you know, went to the next level that, you know, could have easily made hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's life-changing money. Yes. That's the thing. This is life-changing money for some of these kids and, and their families, you know, when they're in college. Let's talk about your, whenever you were at USC. You were the face of, now Matt Leinart, obviously, you two were a tag team of pop culture and everything like that, but you were the face of L.A. for a long time. I mean, Reggie Bush, 20 years old, you were the king of L.A. at the time, and if you were living off the college money, that had to be a bit of a struggle. So whenever this whole yeah. thing came out, I think that you were one of the first players where even the people that were against college players making money, they were like, yeah, but that's fucking Reggie Bush. I mean, we're talking every mm -hmm. highlight, every primetime game, your name, your face was everywhere. That had to be very frustrating whenever that all happened, when the original, it all came out, they took your Heisman, no more Orange Bowl, like the whole thing. How was your yeah. mental state at that time? You said that you went into a little bit of depression because you felt like you were kind of left behind by some people there when you were at the Saints. But as it was happening, what was your thoughts through that whole process? My thoughts? Yeah. Uh, my thoughts were I was angry, I was bitter, um, you know, I was resentful, I was upset i was confused i was also sad depressed um you know you name it just about every wave of emotion my, i went through it um and i went through it you know while i was in new orleans you know unfortunately because you know and why the reason i say unfortunately is, is because you know i wish when i go back i wish i could have just enjoyed that ride with a little less stress you know what i mean because that was such a magical ride for us it was such a magical run for us uh, while we were down there and we got a t opportunity to be a part of history we got an opportunity to do something special for a city 
that had just lost so much. And, and it's funny because when I think about New Orleans and how special it is to me, um, this was a city that welcomed me with open arms, right? And 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 I never forget the first time I went to New Orleans and and um, I went to Chef Emma's restaurant. And uh, we walked in, the whole restaurant stood up, applauded, and I thought the coaches had set that up, but, you know, it was, the fans were truly, truly embraced me. And so when I look back on my relationship with the people there in the city, they, that was a place that I needed to go to because they welcomed me with open arms at a very, very vulnerable time in my life. And, and they gave me this renewed strength, this renewed passion that, okay, I'm wanted again, right? And, and, and now, you know, I have something to, to wake up for and to strive for. And so New Orleans is very special, very near and dear to my heart because, um, you know, while they viewed us as, you know, kind of their saviors, um, I was viewing them as my savior. True, that's deep. Is there anybody that, that was in New Orleans in your life at that time that had any idea what you were going through mentally? Um... My chef, um, I had a I had a chef that I hired, um, and thank God, you know. And again, I'm not trying to brag, but um, I was going to New Orleans in a time period where you know I was really really struggling, and um, you know on the football field I try not to show that because, and also the field, but as you know, AJ, the football field that's our sanctuary, right? Like that's our place where we get to go and just and just let go of Absolutely. anything that's that's going on in your life. You know, it could be relationship issues it could be stuff with your kids it could be family members that is your quiet place which sounds kind of crazy but that's your place where you just okay you can block out all the noise and just focus on your passion and so for me um i think my parents obviously my parents knew you know a little bit what i was going through but um you know the person that i really was you know really close with um and saw on a daily basis and spoke to all the time was was my chef and um his name is uh, Nelson Gaysan, and he's a great chef, but he really became like that person that I just spoke to a lot about everything that was going on in my lifetime. I mean, he saw all the all the different, you know, ups and the downs, and uh, I appreciate him because he listened, you know what I mean? And a lot of times, you know, when a lot of times, um, that's the most important thing is to be able to listen to just somebody when they're going through things and just... And it's not always about trying to get to answers either. It's just about having somebody there to speak to, to talk to. And uh, that's what my chef was for me, man. And uh, I appreciate him so much. We still talk to this day. We still keep in contact. Um, I know he was working for Will Fuller down in Houston. I'm not sure if he's still working with him. But, um, but yeah, man. So, thankfully, I had, you know, somebody to speak to. But, again, it wasn't enough. If, if, if I would be lying if I said it was enough that it was just, you know, my chef that I spoke to because – um, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't there. He wasn't part of the process. So he didn't really, you know, understand it, you know, on the level that I did. Well, I'm happy that your chef gave you a good ear to lean on. I heard some yeah. stories, uh, from people that were in locker rooms that the, the, when the Heisman was taken from you, okay, the Heisman mm -hmm. was taken from you. You weren't allowed to be a Heisman winner, even though every human on earth voted for you to be a Heisman uh, mm -hmm. that year, that they tried to move that Heisman to Vince, who was number two, and then yeah. Matt, who was number three. But that story has never been public. I only heard it in the locker room whenever it was talked about. Yeah. Is that a truth? Yeah, that's a true story. And that's okay. why um, Vince Young is my guy. 
you know that's why I've been telling is is uh is my boy and I respect and I appreciate him because um Vince showed me love that even some of the closest people to me didn't even show you know what I'm saying like even some of the people who I built relationships with um friends you know people who I who I considered you know very close friends didn't even show me the kind of love that Vince Young showed me and so it is true because they did try to give him the Heisman Trophy, and uh, and I, I even spoke to you know it's funny because uh, we interviewed Mac Brown uh, last week on our show um, on our Fox show, and I spoke about that story with Mac Brown, and Mac Brown said and Mac Brown validated it because I didn't know he knew about it, um, but Mac Brown said that um, Vince came to him and told him that they had basically offered him the Heisman Trophy, and uh, he was going to turn it down. And Mac Brown basically supported him, and um, you know Vince and Tech they just beat us, you know what I mean, in the national championship. So he had every right to be like, "Why not? I just beat them, you know what I mean? I just beat USC, I just beat Matt Leiner, I just beat Reggie Bush, who won the Heisman Trophy. This is my time, you know what I mean? This is my time to take what's mine and yeah. what was rightfully mine, and and that's why I appreciate Vince because even in that moment, right, even in that time, he he wasn't a sucker period like he wasn't a sucker and he didn't go for whatever that you know they were trying to bring towards his way and i appreciate him for that because um you know that's real that's real love and and um you know it's just it's powerful man i think that's so powerful when i think about it you know sometimes i get chills on my back because you know he he had, he had every right you know every right to to say yeah give me that heisman and um he didn't you know what i mean and, and so Vince showed me the kind of love that even some of the people closest to me didn't even show me. Well, and Mac Brown, too, by the way, because that makes Mac look better. They just won a national championship, and they have a Heisman winner. Yeah. So the fact that Mac, who is cool dude, I've gotten a chance to meet him now a couple of times, the fact that he and Vince Young were like, no, that's not our Heisman. Like, listen, that yeah. is, everybody on earth knows that that's Reggie's Heisman. You can go ahead and yeah. just and I think, And I think, you know, they. I think that should be a story. You know what I mean? I think that's because, again, that's part of legacy. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of, That's things that you know that stories that you hear about you know hundreds of years later and you just kind of you kind of somebody kind of accidentally you know stumbles upon it and and then writes a story about it or whatever it is but i really appreciate vince young you know for for just for that for that act of kindness or for that gesture gesture or whatever it was you know what i mean it didn't even have to be necessarily about me you know what i mean it could have been just about him like maybe he didn't want to feel you know some type of way um and at the end of the day um, you know, I appreciate him because I can't imagine that was an easy decision. I can't imagine he just easily was like, ah, I'm going to just go ahead. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Guys, nah, I'm, nah. I'm good. <laughs> you know, that little thing, nah. <laughs> hey, Rich, have you and Vince had a chance to speak about this? Have you, like, been able to thank him in person? Uh, Yeah, I spoke I, I spoke to him about it. Um, It was brief, but I've never spoken about it publicly um, until, actually, until last week, until Mac Brown. Um, you know, he until he was on the show, and and uh, I just felt it was it was the right moment to talk to Mac Brown about it to bring it up because one, he's he's on a, a great run at the University of North Carolina right now. Um, they just got the fifth highest ranked recruiting class, which is which is crazy when you think about where this program was a couple of years ago. And and Mac Brown obviously is a champion. He understands how to win and how to get his guys you know to that level. Um, you know, to, to, to where they can play at that level. And they believe now, you know, that they can win the ACC. And so 
I just think there's something to, you know, to Mac Brown's character that just screams success, you know, and, and also, you know, I thought it was what Vince did. I thought it was a reflection of the kind of um, culture that, um, you know, he he raises his guys in that he brings, you know, his, his players into. Now, are you getting your Heisman back now that the 10 year disassociation? No you have no idea. This is not. Has this been talked know. about? I uh, will see. I mean, oh, let's get I, I that know. back. What are we doing? <laughs> give the guy his Heisman. Back. They tried to give. I don't want to put nothing out there. I have no idea. You know, I've heard conversations and things, but but again, you know, I don't want to. Um, you know, if it, if it's if it's not here, it's not here. Are, now they try to give it to Vince. They try to give it to Matt. They held it away from you for ten years. It seems like it's only right to give it back. But the NCAA and the Heisman have made worse decisions before. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, what is it, Mike Bone, the athletic yeah. director at USC? What has your relationship been like with him? And what are the thought? Now let's assume that college football happens, right? Let's assume yeah. that college football is going to happen. What will the relationship with USC look like going forward? Do you know? Uh, me and Mike Bone have had great conversations already. Me and uh, Mrs. Holt, who I think the absolute world of, uh, we had an amazing, amazing conversation. Uh, me and this, me and this lady, who we've never met before. Um, you know, we we had a, a a Zoom call and we spoke for about an hour and a half, and it was just it was a great call, man. Really, really um, good call. And then I spoke with uh, again, like I said, with Mike Bone, and our relationship has been good. And you know what? It's gonna be good. Um, there's no reason for us to to not have a good relationship um, because Mike Bone and, and Carol Ford and everybody else that's that's there, none of them were part of what happened, you know, to me in 2005, yeah. you know, and, and during that time period. So, you know, this is something new and I'm excited to, to get to know these people. I'm excited to, you know, um, you know, get back to USC and, and to help, you know, just be around the young guys, be around the coach, uh, be around, you know, the team and and help, you know, get that culture back to what it was when we were there. Reggie, if this was 10 years ago, would you have you think you would have had to think twice uh, about coming? Like, would, would you have ever have said no to their offer if they wanted to bring you back? Um, it's just you know, I, I truly believe in timing. I believe timing is everything. And um, 10 years ago, I don't know if I would have been in the right mental space to be able to um you know handle something like that um I, I believe you know um that i've matured and i've grown as a man um i've grown spiritually um you know i've grown in a lot of different areas and um you know i just i think the timing is right now um and i think the timing is perfect um, and I also believe that God's timing is always right, man. There's a lot of times where we want to control everything in our life. And, uh, you know, it's crazy because, and I'm sure you guys can attest to this, it's funny just how much um, control we don't have, you know, over our lives. And even though we like to think we do, we like to think that, you know, we control any and everything around us, but we really don't, you know. And I believe that um, the timing is right now. And, and I believe that the timing is also perfect uh, because, and I believe also the people at USC are also the right people, um, you know, for us to embark on this new journey together um, with with me and and Carol Ford and, and the new AD and and all the other people there. I can't wait to get to know them, and I can't wait to get back. Can we talk about your time at USC? You were a a video game. I mean, it was 
Some of the shit you would do, it made no. Your cutbacks, your cutbacks were. Not, I got a chance to play with Pat White and Steve Slayton, and obviously, yeah, incredible highlight reel players there. But it felt like yeah. every time you were on national television, it was musty. The old stop, <laughs> whole full stop, cut back, and then the bush push, obviously against AJ's brother-in-law. I mean, when you look back at your USC time, aside from the way it ended. Right, and I assume yep. that could be a little bit gloomy too. So you might not even like to take the trip down memory lane until this mm-hmm. all started to happen. But when you look back on your USC career, what are some of the things that jump out? I mean, I the only thing I think about is all the incredible highlights and just the, yeah. And, and I would assume like there's there's some of that for you as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. The things that I take away is you know when we played on Saturdays and and, and AJ, you'll, you guys will be able to test this. Thank you, Jesus. When you guys play, when you guys play <laughs> on game days, right? When you guys. <laughs> I don't know about Pat. Maybe not Pat. Just go, please. But you know, when we play on games, that's 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 party time. You know, that's time to go have fun and just let all that aggression, all that stress out. You know, whatever it is, that's, that's your time to go out there and just release. You know, and um, that's why you know it's so important for us to be exhausted after games. Because if you're not exhausted, then you might still have some pent up energy in there. But um, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, did I've you feel, did you feel like you were just faster than everybody? Like, I don't, I've never felt this feeling before ever in my life. <laughs> did you go on the field and you were just like, yep. I did, I did. Yeah, I have to admit it. I did feel like I was just faster than everybody. <laughs> it looked like it. Jeez. I mean, those um, but you know what? It's funny. So kids always ask me, and I actually posted about this. Kids always ask me on Instagram or on social media, how do you get faster? And I tell them, go run track and field. If you run track and field, you will come back a more explosive athlete. You will, you will come back faster. Um, you're going to build your cardiovascular. You're going to build your endurance. Um, so you're going to come back more faster and explosive. And then if you match that up with agility, you match that up with um, power, right, like a linebacker, you match that up with, um, you know, wingspan and all these different things, that's a freak athlete. You know what I'm saying? And so – you know, for me, I've always, I've always gone back to when I ran track in high school. That was the best decision I ever made because it just turned me into a, a very explosive athlete. I was already, you know, very shifty, but now this gave me a different level. And so I always felt like I was faster than guys, you know, on the football field. I always felt like I was more explosive. Um, and for me, I fell in love with the art of just making people miss. And, and that was my specialty. That was the thing that when I was in, in Little League, I, I watched Barry Sanders and I watched Deion Sanders. Um, I watched, you know, all the different running backs. And I kind of took a little piece of all of them and I tried to mold it into myself. And, and so the cutback, you know, honestly, that just came from when I was little. I just didn't want guys to touch me. You know, like, hey, man, don't touch me. Stay over there. So, I don't want to get hit. And I just became good at, you know, not getting hit. <laughs> you ran a couple like 200 yard, 80 yard runs. At, well, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable to watch back in the day. Reggie, I, I had a question about a guy who made people miss in a different way and you're running mate at yeah. USC. What was your relationship like with Lendell White and you two sharing yeah. the success and sharing the backfield? What's your uh, relationship like with Lendell now? Yeah. Lindell's Lindell's my brother. And, um, you know, it's funny because, me and Lindell at when we first so when we first got to USA, it was competition. 
Um, and there was no space for weakness. There was no space for, um, you know, not taking care of your business because there was Herschel Dennis. It was me. There was Chauncey Washington. It was uh, Lindell. Um, and we had another running back. I can't remember who it was, but we had a packed backfield. And so you had to compete. And, um, you know, a lot, as you guys know, a lot of times in those competitions, um, you know, especially on a football field, guys can get in fights. You know what I mean? There, there can be jealousy. There can be resentment. There, there's just It's just competition, right? And so there was one famous meeting. Uh, uh, there's one famous meeting that we were having. So during training camp as a team, as an offense, we would clown around a lot. And we would have these charade wars. And so the running backs would go against the quarterbacks and go against the receivers. And, and it would be literally in the middle of a meeting and the the receivers would would like literally kick our door in and be like, all right, let's let's go. And so it was like right there on the spot we would start playing charades. And so what happened was, <laughs> so what happened was, there was some you know we were we were young and somebody took something and I think Lindell took something from you know the receivers and it was like a fight about to break out or whatever it was. And so we go back to our room and me and Lindell start chirping at each other. And then me and Lindell literally drop ourselves and we're about to throw hands. We're about to fight. And we end up not fighting. But from that day forward, me and Lindell always had respect for each other because I think we both saw, okay, you're not backing down. I'm not backing down. So let's just go to work together. And uh, we ended up, you know, becoming best friends. We ended up, you know, we're brothers now. And I just spoke to him the other day, and I uh, think the word of a man. And, and honestly, I couldn't have done it without him because Lindell was probably, of anybody on that team, he pushed me the most because we just competed against each other all the time. And he brought something different to the game. You know, he brought the power and, and you know, the, 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 the big ugly runs, and I was more <laughs> of the, the flash. And I always kind of wanted to do what he did. You know, anytime I would see him going there and run a couple, couple people over, I would try to go in there and run a couple people over. You know what I mean? And so it was that competition that we had. We were always trying to outdo each other. Hey, charades do be like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you have no idea. And the quarterbacks used to cheat because they already had the hand signals. Ah, so <laughs> like, bitches. How do you, you know what I mean? How do you, how do you beat that? What was Pete Carroll like? You and Pete Carroll get along or, or how was yeah, that? Yeah, Pete was, uh, during that time period, man, Pete, me and Pete really got along. Um, I really appreciate Pete because – he brought the energy that we needed as young guys on that team uh, to be great. <laughs> and, um, you know, he pushed us to, to obviously to be accountable on the football field, um, to work our butts off, you know, every time, you know, we stepped on the field. Uh, but I also love the fact that he made football fun. Um, and that's the thing that, you know, a lot of coaches can't do that. You know, I don't know how many coaches you guys have been around, but a lot of coaches, you know, some of them, most, more of them, more often than not, they make it stressful. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> when you find coaches that are like players coaches, you know, we all hear these stories about me like, damn, you had a players coach. It's like <laughs> it's like this phenomenon. Right. It's like this thing that not everybody gets. And so when somebody does get a players coach and they're also winning, you 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 like you're almost jealous on the spot because you're like, damn, y'all winning and y'all having fun. You know what I'm saying? And so. You know, I always appreciate about Coach Carroll because he made football fun. You know, he would bring Will Ferrell around to crack jokes on our team. He would bring uh, Gary Owen, different comedians. I met Kevin Hart when he was nobody. You know, when Kevin Hart 
Gary Owen brought Kevin Hart to do stand-up for our team. And uh, that's how we developed a relationship on the spot. And so all these guys I'm talking about now, you know, I have relationships with. And, and that's kind of the culture that Coach Carroll created. Rage, is, is USC going to have to get back to those old, those ways of, like, we would hear stories. I was in college at the same time oh. as you. We hear stories. Yeah, oh, hey, I know. Keanu Reeves just stops by when he was around. Like, things like that happen. Like, is USC going to have to get back to that to where it's like you guys are movie stars and they're all coming to watch you? Like, do they need to get back to that level to start winning again? Well, this this is what I know. Um, anytime I was on that football field and I looked across on that sideline and I saw Marcus Allen or I saw Snoop Dogg or I saw Will Ferrell, you know, or I saw whoever it was, that just energized us even more. And I'm not saying that that was the main reason, you know, we, you know, we were, you know, we did what we did on the field. But there's a little bit of, you know, that that soup, that star power, you know, that, you know, just elevates the game you know it's and we see it all the time in in nba games right we see people sitting sitting courtside laker games jack nicholas you know all these all these people and and uh it just adds to you know i think it adds to the experience you know i don't think it's a bad thing i i loved looking across the field and seeing all these guys over there supporting us because i knew what that meant and i knew that um you know that meant that we had an opportunity to do something special on the biggest stage and um, I don't know if USC needs to get back to directly that because to me, that's, you know, we got to build the culture first. You know, we got to build the culture of winning first because you build the culture of winning. The celebrities going to come. Right. But you build the culture of winning. The, the fans going to show up. And so let's build the culture of winning first and then let's let everybody else jump on the bandwagon. When I was at West Virginia, we had a guy that drank an entire keg in one hour on the sidelines. That was a big deal, Reg. I, I really wanted to in, in five degrees. Uh, <laughs> in five degrees cold. Let's talk about you getting into the NFL. You're in the Saints Hall yeah. of Fame. Uh, congratulations, 2019 you, inductee. It. That is huge. Uh, you won a Super Bowl against a team that I was on. You were a punt returner against me in the Super Bowl. I almost <laughs> shit my pants uh, a couple times. But going in, now that I'm hearing you talk about your mental state of mind, whenever you you went yeah. to New Orleans and how much you were going through because of what happened at USC. When you yeah. think about your transition to the NFL, what was your thoughts on that? Did the game was the game harder, easier than what you thought, or did you have so much oh going God. on that you it was so much harder? To me, it was so much harder than than what I thought because uh, guys were were now just as fast as me. You know what I mean? Like at the college level, you can get away with just outrunning people. You can get away with. You know, you can get away with a lot of things in college because most of those guys you're playing against aren't going to go pro, right? And that's just the reality. Um, and so, you know, just outrunning people at the NFL level doesn't happen. And I remember my first game, my first preseason game was against the Dallas Cowboys. And I caught a swing pass, and we were probably on, like, the five-yard line. And it's me and DeMarcus Ware. And I just already knew I was a touchdown. I knew I was going to outrun him. And he caught me. Um, ran step for step with me. And, you know, DeMarcus, you know, his wingspan is crazy. Um, and so he was still in his prime, and he ran me down. And that was my first introduction, really, <laughs> to the speed of the game. And so I really started to understand that, okay, these D linemen are just as fast as me. Um, these linebackers are just as fast as me. So I got to find a way to try to gain an edge because now I can't just rely on my athleticism anymore. I got to get smarter. I got to get knowledge. I got to get all these things to give myself an edge. And um, it was tough. I ain't going to lie to you. My rookie year, I was people was trying to knock my head off. <laughs> it felt like every game 
um, I was public enemy number one. It felt like every game, you know, guys, you know, when you come from a story program, you win a Heisman Trophy, National Championship, guys want to try you. They want to know, is this real? You hey. know what I'm saying? Is, what I've seen on TV, is that real? And, um, you know, I, I a lot of games, man, where where I just felt like, you know, guys was just trying to knock me out, take me out the games. and Hey, the night before yeah. the games, too, they're watching, and everybody's hyping up. Reggie Bush, best athlete to ever come on the field. And you got these guys who are in the NFL. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to see. We're we going to see. see. <laughs> we're going to see. That's real. Um, hey, Reg, but, but yeah, what was that man, first was, training camp, Mike, Reg? Sorry to cut you off. Camp, like in was that when you were still going to Mississippi? And I know Sean Payton yeah. like doesn't mess Woo! around. You guys hit in training camp and it's six thousand degrees. Yeah, so Sean Payton now is not the same Sean Payton we had <laughs> in my rookie year in two thousand six. Uh, you know, I I love going into the locker rooms now and they're partying in there. They got strobe lights. Uh, they got music going. You know, I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I, I've never seen this before. And so, um, you know, I appreciate it, though, because I know what it took to get there. You know what I mean? I know the workload and I know, um, you know, I know what Sean had to go through to get to that point. Because when he first got to New Orleans, um, you know, he wanted to change the culture um, and and he had to uh, because the culture of the New Orleans Saints before Sean got there, got there um, was not winning. Um, they weren't getting the job done. They were the ain'ts. And, um, you know, and then also it was the year before her year of Hurricane Katrina, too. So there was just a lot of uncertainty about the team, about the city, about our stadium. Um, and so, you know, Sean did a great job and I, I applaud him because he came in there as, you know, demanding respect and demanding accountability and demanding all these things from 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 us. Uh, and I think it was the right thing to do. Um, I, I think also at the same time, there were times where people didn't like Sean. There were times people hated Sean because, you know, of the, the kind of environment he was running. It wasn't a loose ship anymore. Um, and he was demanding, you know, that everybody was accountable for themselves and everybody got their work done. And uh, there were times where teams pushed back in training camp uh, because, again, we were in Mississippi and it was 120 degrees every day. Um, the humidity was like a hundred percent and we were still doing, AJ, you remember those real two days? Like those, those real yeah. ones, not the little yeah. fake ones. I mean <laughs> oh, like yeah. the real ones where. <laughs> yeah. Run your head. Yeah. In the morning. <laughs> then and, yeah. Those real two days, uh, I believe shortened my career by about four or five years. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I can still play had I not had to do nine on seven to start off practice um, every day, you know what I mean, and and one on one blocking drills with linebackers who were two hundred and fifty pounds. You know what I mean? That was that was that was hard to do and to get done. And and when I look back on it, I feel like I survived it. I don't feel like um, it was something that you know necessarily helped me. I just feel like I survived like death. <laughs> <laughs> I survived death. A great way to experience something. <laughs> now, and this is a completely ignorant question, but looking back, for how explosive and dynamic of a player you, you were, you were healthy. Yeah. You, you remained healthy yeah. on a very regular yeah. basis. And then obviously you caught an ACL there uh, against Rams. Yeah. But what was that? Was that all the offseason? Like, what was it? Like, I don't know. What do you attribute that to? Well, I'll be honest with you. You know, I attribute a lot of knee injuries to turf. 
um, to the to the turf that they still play on. And you know, I know a lot of times, and this is the thing that I, I want so badly to see, you know, get done in the NFL because I believe it's going to save injuries. I believe it'll save bodies if we can get back to playing on grass. And it's the reason I got a chance to uh, to to get to know uh, Steve Bushotti, the owner of the of the Baltimore Ravens, a little bit. And um, Baltimore used to be on turf. I don't know if you guys remember. They went back to grass because of those reasons, because they were having players who were getting injured at a very high rate. And I also attribute a lot of injuries to turf. I think that turf, um, again, I don't care how soft you try to make it, it's still not real grass. And it still puts too much just torque on your knees when you mash that up with these explosive athletes. Um, and, I, and I think so from just the turf, and uh, also leading an unhealthy lifestyle. Um, you know, when I was 21, 22 years old, I wasn't eating great. You know, I had a chef, but, you know, I didn't understand, you know, just, you know, I was eating chicken and, and you know, all mac and cheese and mashed potatoes. I was eating ooh, all those things almost every other, every other day. And I wasn't eating enough fruits and f- enough vegetables and enough. And so you can get away with that when you 21, 22, 23. But now if I try to do that, it would take my body forever to recover. <laughs> so, you know, now I understand on a different level just how important it is to really, you know, focus on eating properly. And especially, you know, as you're trying to, you know, produce on the football field, um, you, you every little edge you can gain is important. So I attribute it to field turf and just not eating well enough, you know, not eating, you know, good enough. I was eating a lot, but just it wasn't great food. Yeah, me too. uh uh, reg i can't thank you enough for your time man your transition tv has been awesome i love watching you on tv you're really good at it i hope you keep doing it i appreciate you guys man thanks for having me on aj we have some battles on the field man but i always appreciate it hey hold on Um, here we go reggie whenever you're taking uh, on when you're taking on this jawline aj hawk (laughs) and you're looking at film what is the thought you're like okay we got a little stocky white guy here big jawline he's gonna throw his head probably can make him miss is there a game plan going in and is that something as a running back that you look at like okay what is who's the people we stay away from what's an easy way to beat said caucasian guy like is there is that does that happen well, aj aj was a thumper man so we knew in the run game he was going to be extra aggressive uh, we knew he was going to come downhill you know trying to trying to uh you know put his put his helmet you know in the middle of our lineman and so you know we just you know when i was in detroit um, you know, that's what I'm talking about, where we had our battles. Um, and, and when I was in Detroit, you know, our offensive system that we ran, you know, we always spread guys out. We always tried to, you know, keep the box light. And so, you know, for me, I always just tried to, um, you know, just make sure I was always aware of where AJ was because I knew he was always coming downhill. And when you play against linebackers that are, you know, coming downhill, they will knock your ass out if you don't if you, if you don't see them coming. You know what I'm saying? And so I always knew the kind of player. I always studied my opponents. I always knew the kind of player AJ was. Um, he was a very smart player, very instinctual, and uh, he was a thumper. And so you just know, um, you just have to be aware of, you know, when you're living in those trenches, of, you know, just wear certain guys at all times, man. And so I knew in the, in the trenches it was going to be tough. But I knew if I got AJ out wide as a quarterback, as a receiver, split that boy out there, he couldn't handle me. Yeah. No, who can? That's the problem I have. They would, 
when Reg is in Detroit, they'll dude, most okay. They know it's third down. I got a man to man most likely. I hope yeah, get some. Money. I don't know. No, they'll motion him to empty at number one. So he's out there at slot receiver. I'm playing. I'm like Deion Sanders out there, and he's like, a little shake and go. And I even have decent coverage. And Reg will catch the ball on the sideline, make an amazing catch. I'm like, don't act like this is a normal play. Like, don't stop this. <laughs> We schemed that play up, man, just for that. We knew it was third down. I knew he had to have me man-to-man, motion me all wide. And, uh, you know, I was just ho- – I was praying to God Matt didn't get off me um, on that on that read. So, but, would you know, you again, when you play, play at the NFL – when you play, you know, um, in these divisional games, you have these rivalries and you got to find every little edge you can get because they've seen your stuff already and they've already studied it enough. And, um, you know, obviously Green Bay was a, was a smart team, a great team. So, you know, we had some great battles. That team always made me better. Reggie, funny story about A.J. Hawk uh, being a thumper. When he was a sophomore in high school at Centerville High School in Ohio, they have an alumni game where all these old drunks put on pads and play against the <laughs> high school team. Kirk Herbstreet was one of those guys. A.J. went helmet to jaw. No. Yes, as a sophomore in high school. Ended Kirk Herbstreet's entire career. He has never played football since. <laughs> Sophomore in high school. Thumper. Hey, that's Kirk's fault. He should have knew what he was doing. <laughs> you put that helmet on. That ain't for the week. <laughs> uh, Reggie, you're the best, man. Thank you so yes, much. Sir, man. You deserve Appreciate the Heisman. That. You were electric it. on the football field. We we're all very lucky to watch it. And you on TV is amazing as well. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, Heisman winner. Super Bowl champion, living legend, Reggie Bush. Thank you, Reg. Thank you so much. Hey, that's got to feel pretty good. He just said you're a thumper. I, I don't think there's a better compliment for a linebacker than what he just said to you right there. Now, granted, he said, I get him in space, he's fucking done. But like, <laughs> aside from that, I think that is a great compliment. What a, hey, whenever he was going back in the day, dude. Oof. It was unbelievable to watch. You hit it. I mean, you hit it. Like when it's like the the step back, let the whole defense run by. Like, yeah, he's every run seemed like a highlight reel run. Dude, it was out of a movie. The step back shit he would do because he would even lift the ball. The ball would even be up like this, and you would just see seven people just <laughs> by. and then he was just gone the other way. Well, I'm so happy he joined us there. Great conversation. And I, I almost lost it, Pat. I had a hard time holding on early on. I forget yeah. exactly what was going on when you. <laughs> He said, AJ, you know, or, you know, <laughs> yeah, you could have helped. I couldn't help but look at your. I was looking at you, and I was trying to hold a straight face into the camera, and I just couldn't do it. I was, I just felt it. it was amazing. Yeah, I thought me and Reggie were potentially going to hate each other. <laughs> but halfway through, we came home. You know what I mean? Uh, I need to talk to you, AJ, especially with that beautiful jawline. I got something I'm sending over to you. A brand mm-hmm. new sponsor for the show. We got a new sponsor. Yay! Yeah! Woo! New sponsor. Let me tell you about Harry's. Okay, Harry's right here. It's been sitting on front of the desk. Harry's is the go-to whenever you're talking about shaving the face oh, yeah. and making yourself look professional. Times are tough right now, but Harry's is still here to help you look your best while saving you a little cash along the way. Business on top, PJ's on bottom. Harry's has your grooming needs covered with high quality blades as low as $2 each delivered straight to your doorstep, AJ. Whether it's in Florida where you're at currently, Ohio, wherever Reggie is, USC, this is what Harry's does. They deliver things right to your doorstep so that your facial hair style that you're rocking during social distancing, is it a must? 
mustache, maybe a soul patch. How does a Harry's razor keep you looking your best? I'll tell you this. It is clean. It is sharp. It is smooth. And right now, if you look at Connor's face, that is a Harry's masterpiece right there. <laughs> Oh, no. Harry's is gonna pull. <laughs> Harry's gonna pull. <laughs> hey, cool glasses. Cool glasses. Oh my. Can we have that buddy back? Yeah. Cool glasses. Oh my god. Uh, Harry's is the return to the essential quality durable blades at a fair price, just two dollars per blade. They've cut out the middleman, manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. A wow. hundred years they've been honing down these blades, and Harry's is taking advantage of it for a high quality braid, uh, blade at factory direct prices. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. It's super convenient. In this particularly challenging time, feel a little better about your purchase. 1% of all proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations devoted to helping provide access to better health care for men and veterans. Hey, I want to let you know. That mic picks up. Yeah, that yeah. mic does yeah. pick up your yeah. grunts. Yeah. Sorry. Hey, squeeze your uh, plastic water bottle as hard as you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now. I cannot hear myself, so this is throwing everything off. Well, that's all right. That cough. The cough in the middle of a couple of his hands. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. Sandy Lyle. Yeah. Uh, I love New Orleans, but. <laughs> And to help support those who need it most right now, Harry's is donating $1 million. Holy shit. What? Let's get back to this, please. To help support those who are in need most right now, Harry's is donating $1 million worth of shaving supplies to hospitals across the United States. Good job, Harry's. Listeners of this show right now can get their Harry's trial set for just $3 at harrys.com forward slash Pat McAfee. (laughs) That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com forward slash p-a-t-m-c-a-f-e-e and you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle with a firm grip a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated hello and a travel blade to cover a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go redeem your trial set for just three dollars when you go to harrys.com forward slash pat mcafee enjoy the 10 million people who have tried harrys that's harrys.com forward slash pat mcafee Harry's.com forward slash Pat McAfee. How about that? Three bucks you're getting a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go for $3 at harrys.com forward slash Pat May. There's no way they're making fucking money off that. Hey, we like beating companies and stealing from companies. It sounds like Harry's is losing money. Harry's.com forward slash Pat McAfee. $3, you get an incredible lineup to keep your face shaved, moisturized, and beautiful. Hey, Reggie's a good-looking dude, by the way. I couldn't imagine being Reggie Bush back in the day in L.A. Being the oh, guy. man. I couldn't have even fathomed being Reggie Bush back in the day. Yeah, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, Lindale White, that whole crew. Can you imagine? Like, all the, the actors and celebrities and all these people wanted to hang out with them more than the players wanted to hang out with the celebrities. He was the biggest star, I'd assume, in L.A. whenever he was there. I, I mean, it was they were on national TV every single week, and every single week he was doing something that was insane. This was before Twitter. Imagine if Twitter or, or it, any of these TikTok, who knows, any of these viral platforms that there are, Reggie Bush would have been at the top every single week. It yeah. would have been like, Reggie Bush is 
trending. Bush is trending. Holy shit, Reggie is trending. Like, there would have been so many things. He was the next level. And I'm happy that with his rekindling here, the uh, the stoppage of the disassociation with USC, more and more people who weren't around whenever he was hot are going to get to see his highlights because I think that's what's coming next is all the reliving the Reggie Bush glory days. And I'm here for it, all the way here for it. Well, I, I didn't realize, like, did you have any idea it was that difficult for him when they took the Heisman away from him and oh. all of this stuff was happening? Like, I I guess you just look at it and you assume, like, oh, everything, what do you mean? He doesn't care. He's making a bunch of money. He's playing great in the NFL now. Who cares? Like, that's, I guess, what people, we don't really give time to think about that when, oh, it's a real person. Like, real things are happening to them. He's very bummed out that the school that he put on the map, he probably feels like, or helped put on the map, he's not even allowed to go back and visit. He's not even allowed to talk to anybody. Nobody at USC is even allowed to talk to him. Pete Carroll's gone. He has zero connection to them. His family isn't with him. Although he's a first-round draft pick, he didn't get picked over Mario Williams, remember, who was drafted strictly to sack Peyton Manning at Charlie Casserly eventually got fired for that that was a big deal but yeah the thought of what was going on in between his ears while this was all happening while trying to figure out the NFL while being a target for everybody I mean there's a lot for a guy to handle he comes out as a Super Bowl champion Saints Hall of Fame member yeah I hope he gets his Heisman back he's back with USC I mean it's come full circle but there for a little bit I'm sure he was I mean he said he was suicidal and stuff that's crazy I would have never guessed that yeah, and I, we didn't. I mean, maybe we'll have him on again at some point, but we didn't really get into like how how long did he see his chef? His chef guy was the one dude to kind of lean on, and he could listen. To the guy, only guy that he could have in person to listen to him. Like, I guess that, that dude always there. Do you think he was living with him? I don't know. I, I never really understood maybe. the whole chef thing. Did you have a chef, AJ? I do not have a chef. No, not now. Do, did that, no, I never had a chef. Didn't microdose did, you with seafood. And- Shellfish. I do that myself. I do that. I, I beat that myself. Amen. I had a couple of shrimp. Hell yeah. Hell, hell, yeah. Yeah. hell, hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. The chef thing I never understood, though. There, there's all these nutritional supplements now, but I didn't understand the chef. Like, did they live at the people's house? Like, did you wake up and they're there making break? DJ Khaled made it seem as if the chef is just there living at the house Lion. on his Snapchat. I don't know, but that's a smart move. That was ahead of his time, by the way, getting a chef. Not, not a lot of guys were doing that back then. Now it's kind of like the modern move is everybody does that. AJ, I'm so happy Reggie came on, man. I didn't know if it was going to happen. I had no idea if it was going to happen. That was a cool convo. I never knew. I didn't know how long we had him. So, like, I, 15 minutes in, I thought, like, okay, is he, like, are we using too much of Reggie's time? We had him on, what, 40 minutes? Yeah, I had no idea either. I, and I, I was just trying to, like, get a read on his answers on how miserable he was. Because normally at the end, <laughs> yeah, I tried hard. It was a lot of fun. Oh, okay, this son of a bitch wants out of here now. He was going. He, I think he potentially enjoyed that conversation. Oh, yeah. He did too. I mean, I hated the first 10, 15 minutes just because <laughs> the amount of disrespect that was happening. But after that, I mean, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, was did you hear him ask Mac Brown about the whole Vince Young Heisman situation? No, I actually heard it in the locker room. But at that point, he didn't know I was in a locker room, so I said I had to hear it from somebody in the locker room just to carry on. I wanted to see if we could go the entire show with him thinking I never played football before. So I was just trying to do that whole thing. But we had somebody who came from Texas, maybe. They were on the team. And we were indulging in vitamins together. I don't know if he's stuck on our team or if he's practicing. I forget who it was. It was a conversation, and it came up and was like, they tried to give Reggie's Heisman to Vince or whatever, and Vince said no. And I was like, like the conversation just moved past it. But Jaime was like, they just tried to, I don't know if anybody knows that. And I had to keep that one bundled inside for a long time because it was like not public. Also, I didn't know the guy that well. So it was like, is he full of shit or not? So then whenever I was like, if I ever talk to Reggie, I am going to ask him about this. And here it is. I guess last week he started talking about it for the first time. Yeah, that was a real thing. The Heisman people were like, oh, this is yours now because it's no longer Reggie's. And Vince was like, 
no, this is Reggie's Heisman. It's not mine. That's awesome, by the way, because yeah. that is, I mean, if, if a Heisman just shows up on your front door, I mean, that's kind of tough to be like, hey, I don't want that fucking thing. Get it out of here. Get I get, yeah, I get Vince a lot of credit. But the thing is, though, so he has like rekindled his relationship with USC, but they're the Heisman, like the Heisman committee, are they still going to say his year that nobody won the Heisman? If you go to the website, it just skips over the year. I have no idea. I would assume that it would only be right to give the guy back his Heisman, yeah. especially at this point with his relationship at USC now. I would assume on Tuesday, June 23rd, after talking to him and hearing how he's speaking about how much that really affected him, and like I, I think that is a much deeper conversation than I assume the NCAA and Heisman people never really had. Like, oh, should we worry about this guy as a human at all, that we just completely disassociate everything he just accomplished in his entire life? Like, I, I bet you they never even thought about that, as I didn't. I never even thought about Reggie caring about that because he's Reggie Bush is always the thought. But now hearing him tell his story, and I think the more and more he talks and the more and more he goes back to USC, I think it's only a matter of time before the Heisman people go like, hey, uh, we were wrong about this. In fact, we tried to give it to Vince. kind of fucked up too. Now that we think about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then your teammate I can't too. And that. then also Matt Liner as <laughs> yeah. well. Once Vince said no, we we're like, well, fuck him. We'll go to Matt then. Matt will take it. I told him to shove it up their ass. Yeah, you did or Vince did? Oh, I would. Like you would? Vince did, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, you're I don't want so it back. Noble. You took it away from me. I don't want it back now. You're so noble. Good oh, you're talking about Reggie? Yeah. Oh, jeez. No, if I'm Reggie, I'm taking that thing so I can put it up in the uh, put up in the I would yeah. for sure. And also, by the way, I'm giving another speech. I'm giving another Heisman speech. Yeah. Ceremony. As if I just wanted a guest. <laughs> yeah. On the actual Heisman uh, website, it just skips 2005. Uh-huh. I mean, OJ Simpson still has a couple Heismans <laughs> and they won't give Reggie yeah, one. Screw those people. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> fucking OJ. How about him get how do we get him on this show? How do we get OJ Simpson on this show? I, I have some questions. I Yeah, Zito. Zito doesn't know him. What would be actually how would you start off the, the talk if we had OJ on like hey how's it going? Ladies and gentlemen, Hall of Famer, former Heisman winner. And alleged murderer, O.J. Simpson. Yeah, here we go, Juice. So if he, if he doesn't hang up there, okay, if he, hey, guys, you know, if he does his little thing, if he doesn't hang up there, then I lead into, O.J., with all that you've accomplished both in movies and on the football field, when you thought about getting into being an author and you said, if I would have done it, this is how I would have done it, do you think that was a great move for you? Let's start there. That's what I would start with. I think I honestly think he might enjoy that interview because he's talked around and he's talked in circles around everything now. So I think it'd be fun. Maybe we'll get him. Zito, reach out. Got it. Don't get too close. <laughs> Don't get too close. Can we all wear gloves. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm coming. Well, this is for COVID nineteen. I wear these leather. <laughs> oh, these are, are kind of small. Reggie's yeah, gonna need a bigger knife. Man, Reggie was awesome, dude. Oh, Jeez, Reggie was awesome though. He really was. That was a cool convo. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. He doesn't. Mm. And a lot of people that are, I, I told a couple of people that we we're potentially going to have Reggie on this morning show and then this show, and they're like, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. sure, they're sure. Like, maybe, maybe. That's always the thing. It's like, maybe, maybe. Because I think he's kind of like, I don't know, he has kids now. He's married. He's in a whole different world. And I don't know how much he enjoys talking about everything. You know, I think that's kind of something that obviously hit him pretty well. So I'm so thankful he joined us for that, that conversation. 40 minutes, too. Good shit. Well, yeah, and think about most things. I guess most people that reach out to him that want to speak to him is probably about like how are what are your feelings like now towards this negative thing that happened to you in your life? Like it's all like he's like, all right, I can probably talk about this enough. I don't need to go into it every other day. All right, well, AJ, thanks to Harry's by the way getting on board. Three bucks, Harry's dot com forward slash Pat McAfee. They are giving things away. Somebody, I think this is the actual. I think this is probably what you get here. 
Ergonomic handle, cuz, for a nice firm grip. Respect. Ergonomics. Oh, there's the thing in there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, this is what you get. Three bucks. Need to go in there. AJ, you see this right here, this razor? Be careful with sharp. OJ would not use this, but. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, come we just on. lost Aries, I think. Aj, oh, don't don't Zeno. There's no reason for that. Um, go back to your vacation. I don't think we'll have a show Thursday or Friday because I have a bachelor party weekend that I'm going on to golf. Have a bachelor party. Let's go. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Going to golf. Where are you going? I think we're going to golf up in Michigan. Uh, it was supposed to be Colorado. Uh, then we ended up going to Michigan because it's drivable and not have to hop on a plane. And if you know anything about the laws in both Colorado and Michigan, you know why <laughs> we chose to go to said states. <laughs> I think I might know why. Marijuana. Can you just walk into one of those? <laughs> I do believe. Uh -huh. yeah, you can. Yeah, I yep. do believe. I've been getting real into golf, AJ. I heard. I heard you're already pretty much scratch. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, if me and the flat stick have a real conversation and figure it out, there's a chance I get very low very soon. I, I have figured out my swing. I am very happy about it. I am at a whole nother level of golf. I'm enjoying golfing. And I'm actually having the mindset when I go golf, like, I'm going to try to do good today. Like, as opposed to like, oh, I'm just going to go hit the shit out of the ball a couple times. Maybe yeah. make, I'm having a thought like, you know what, I'm going to do good today. And it's a good feeling to have. I haven't had this probably 10, 10 years. Do you think one uh, quick weekend could derail that whole situation? Oh, bingo! <laughs> bingo. A couple early tea times, too. I'm excited to see how the Ooh. boys react. I'm excited to see how the boys react. So we will see you next Monday. AJ from Florida, uh, myself from Indianapolis, all the boys. We can't thank you enough for fucking with us. Reggie Bush, what a man, what a legend. Uh, and we will see you on Monday. AJ, anything to say to the people here whenever uh, we'll, we won't see them for a couple of days? Yeah, we'll be back Monday. Pat, have fun this weekend. I'm excited to hear. I'm excited to hear stories about what you did. AJ was invited, by the way. He chose to go down to Florida with his family in 45 minutes. Uh, real selfish of him. Yeah, he was invited. You guys just love golf too much. I, don't, I couldn't wake up. I wouldn't want to play at 7 a.m. and have another 18 at like. But, but yeah, because there's no fans for you to tackle hey. into lakes. Yeah, but but I mean, not, we can set that up golfing. for you. It's not about golfing. Oh, I would right. pay so much What's money to see you tackle Connor into a lake. Yeah, oh, for God. sure. That's what it's about. That's what we, yeah, that is what it's about. would have been doing. Fellowship. It's about fellowship. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you're just on a few. I mean, so, everybody knows. I think we bought out a few hours worth of tea times, too. So we just have the entire course, basically. I mean, again, again, yeah. this time we're going to do uh, it right, though. This time we're going to do it right. Oh, yeah. We're going to do it right this time. It's just nice to get out there on a course, you know, mm -hmm. do a little of this, talk a little shit, hit some shots, maybe drink a little beers, gamble a little, a little gamble bit, a little bit yeah. you know, smoke a lot of the trees because it's legal up there. <laughs> I mean, it's just what it's to do uh, for myself. And AJ, we can't thank you enough for watching. We'll see you on Monday. This has been McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. The greatest sports talk show on the internet from 1 to 2 Eastern Standard Time. So come on down for a mental vacation with the boys on YouTube Live. It's McAfee and Hawk. It's McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. AJ used to tackle quarterbacks And he's a rust-belt kind of guy hey, hey, He's a thumper Looking for the 2010s Kicking pierce missiles to the sky It's McAfee and Hawk It's McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk It's McAfee
So sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you about this new cereal that has come into my life. Okay, everybody knows I was born and raised on cereal. In fifth grade, they asked us to bring in our parents' favorite recipe because they were going to make a mother's cookbook for some holiday. I came in, written down on a piece of paper, I need 2% milk, a bowl, a spoon, and fucking Fruity Pebbles. Okay? That was fifth grade. My family lived off of cereal. It wasn't just breakfast. Obviously, it was dinner. It was late night snack. It was lunch. It was everything for us. And that carried into my adulthood. And some people judge me a little bit. But as you get older, you just have to do it smarter. There's nothing better, okay, than some cereal, some milk, and getting after it. Now, I'm currently in the keto world because I'm trying to lose some weight because, yeah, maybe I got body shamed on the internet for getting a little fatter. Maybe. Fall season was rough on me. And Magic Spoon has entered my life at the perfect time. It's a keto-friendly cereal that tastes absolutely fantastic. There's four flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. They all taste damn good. They sent me a box of each, and I was very thankful for it. And it didn't make any sense that there's 12 grams of protein in there and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. We're talking about... Really fixing the cereal game for those of us that are trying to cut out the carbs. Zero sugar in this song, bitch. Go to magicspoon.com forward slash pat to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code pat at checkout to get free shipping. Okay, here we go. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash pat and use the code pat for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast and also... For creating something that's absolutely delicious while I try to suffer through this keto time. Shout out to magicspoon.com forward slash pat. Free shipping. Get the variety pack. You're going to love it. I do. Cheers. How are the Cowboys going to afford everybody? Honestly. How they, they've paid everybody. It, it, it's like what the Los Angeles Rams did. And the Rams went on that run, and then they score like four points in the Super Bowl. They lose, and then they have to implode that entire team because they paid everybody. The Dallas Cowboys might be running into that. To join us is a three-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowler, All-Pro, Cowboys Ring of Honor member, ladies and gentlemen, Darren Woods. Yeah! 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 How you doing, bro? I'm great. Thank you for joining us again. I see you're not at your office. You have a lovely painting right behind you there. What do we got going on? No, that's, please. That's not a lovely painting, man. That's just, uh, I'm not going to put my wife on black. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a lovely painting. That's not art. I think you just did right there, okay? That is in the eye of the beholder. I've been to a couple of those galleries, and I've seen things much worse than that sell for a lot of money with those drunk art purchasers. But let's talk, Darren. Let's talk about Dak Prescott signing that franchise tag for $31.4 million. The last time you joined us, you told us a couple things. You talked about how your office overlooks the practice field, which I yep. found alarming. I, I found that a bit alarming because I'd assume there's some secret things that could potentially get out. But you said 
Dak Prescott has this workhorse-like mentality. He's out there all the time. And basically, he's a guy that if you were to build a team, you would put it on his shoulders. It seems like Jerry Jones and Dak are closer and closer to that inevitability. Yeah, I think they're getting closer to, to that. And I would not be surprised if it's by in July, which is going to be the deadline as far as them redoing a contract, that they get this thing done at some point. But, you know, again, Dak Prescott has been that guy. He's done everything this organization has asked of him in his tenure here as the Cowboy. He came in his first year. He became an instant leader. He was a guy that showed up every day and consistently did the things that they asked for him to do and beyond. You know, and one of the biggest problems that this organization has had even before Dak got here was a leadership issue. A ton of talent but couldn't get over the hump because they didn't have those guys that were true leaders that helped them. Now you have a young kid at your quarterback position who's willing to go that extra mile and he still doesn't have a long-term deal. So this is, you know, for them, I think the Cowboys are looking at this saying, listen, we got to get this deal done. And not knowing what the salary cap's going to look like in the future, this has to get done by July. I would assume, because of all the things that you just said, is why Dak Prescott was standing so firm on what he wanted. Because they could have paid him a year ago. They chose not to do that. They rolled the dice. He had his best season yet. Now, going into a season with Mike McCarthy, who is an incredible offensive quarterback coach. I mean, that is just well known by, if you look through any of his stats, with his work with you name it he might have his best year yet and nobody knows what's going to happen with the salary cap so what do you think they do with the deal do you think it'll be largely based on if the salary cap moves he'll get a percentage of the salary cap like how do you think they make this deal happen by july 15th here's the hang-up the hang-up's on how many years the hang-up is cowboys want him at five years he wants it he wants a four-year deal which i totally understand I mean, you want the flexibility to say, I play four years and then I move on and go on to the next one. Because what the Cowboys are going to do is lock you down with five years. And we all know who's in control of the franchise tag again. Five-year deal. And then when your five years is up, they're going to lock you. They said, well, we're going to want a long-term deal. We're going to franchise tag you again, which they have the option to do. So if I'm Dak, I'm going four years. I'm going to stick to my guns. And make sure I went because it's not on Dak to the fact, like you just said, they had this option last year to get him signed. They should have got him signed. It didn't happen. Now he's going to stick to his gun and have the leverage on, I want a four-year deal. Let's figure it out. How are the Cowboys going to afford everybody? How, how, like, I just talked about the Rams. The Rams last year, yeah. they paid everybody. Boom, boom, boom. They had a team. They went on a run. And then now they're literally having to implode that entire thing because they don't have the ability to build a team around their salary cap because they're strapped on the cash. How will the Cowboys be able to afford everybody, including the thought that Jamal Adams potentially comes to the Cowboys on a restructured yeah. deal for less money because he understands the market value of being a Cowboy? How do they afford everybody moving forward? Listen, they can't. I mean, and that's the honest-to-God truth. So when you start to sign these players, you start to sign them through priority. Who's the who's the priority? Dak Prescott's the priority, but he's been sitting there waiting on Amari Cooper to get signed, on Ezekiel Elliott to get signed, on Zach Martin to get signed. So he sat there and waited. This is not his problem. Trust me. This is not a Dak Prescott problem. This is a Dallas Cowboy problem. And that problem has to be, and, and you know, as any other team, as, as you're watching with the Rams, you're going to lose players, good players, superstar players, in order to get your guy signed. And that's going to be the offensive line. They're going to take a hit, which has been their strength for the longest time. 
defensive players, young defensive players who are coming up are going to have to go. The Byron Joneses of the world who's gone to Miami. You're going to have to you're going to start seeing these Cowboy team start losing players as time goes on as well. Superstar players as well. Everybody says Jerry Jones is making these decisions. We've all seen him on draft night on his yacht in Miami. <laughs> it looked amazing. He had a great draft night. But who is the one that has to manage the salary cap? Is that a Stephen Jones gig? Like who is that Jerry Jones hand on being like, well, okay, if we pay this guy $7,000 million <laughs> no. here. They, they gotta, who's no, the one that's, that's for all Stephen Jones. Stephen that's Jones. That's all Stephen Jones. And look, I, I, that, that relationship is a great father-son relationship. I love both of them. I, I mean, they've just been awesome for me uh, throughout my career uh, and after. But Steven is the guy who's going to be crunching numbers. Will McClay is the acting uh, GM, as, as you would say, because uh, Will McClay is the one who's running the day-to-day -day as far as personnel is concerned. But it's going to be up to those two to figure out how they get up under the cap and what the cap looks like. Still don't know what's going to look like here in the, in the future months. Yeah, Andrew Brandt joined us yesterday. He has the Business of Sports podcast, former Green Bay Packers executive and agent. He said that the a lot of other sports potentially have 40% of their income coming from day-to-days whenever the stadiums are open. In the NFL, it's only 15 to 20% because of the massive TV deals that they're making. So <clears throat> he might see a potential dip in a salary cap, but he doesn't think it'll be as drastic as the MLB or the NBA potentially or anything like that. And he could be completely <clears throat> wrong. So... I'm not 100% sure how they, like how, because nobody's negotiating long-term deals right now. Christian McCaffrey yep. got a long-term deal, which was nobody expected. It was big for a running back, but he's not just a running back. But everybody else is kind of sitting back and saying, hey, listen, we can't lock anything long-term until we know what the hell is going to happen this season because that's going to exactly. affect the future salary cap. Is that why Dak Prescott signed a franchise tag, you think? Because that conversation happened between Steven absolutely. and you think that's what happened? That's ultimately absolutely. why I signed Absolutely. That conversation ha ha has, has happened and, 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 and he had to get this deal done. Listen, I, I think the one thing I want to say about Dak is this. Everything that, again, everything they've asked him to do, he's pretty much done. He's not going to fight the fact of, yeah, this is the situation now. We all understand where the situation is. I'm going to be franchise tag as of now. I'm going to set, I'll, I'll sign it. I'll be in camp. I'll do all the little things that they're asking me to do and ask that I'm asked of to do. I'm not going to ruffle any feathers. It's Mike McCarthy's offense now. I'm going to be there day one. You won't see this guy holding out, doing all those things. And that's, that, that's been the expectation from that locker room, knowing he's going to do what's right for the team. But at some point, you have to look, and I'm looking at July, in July, at some point, he's going to have to do what's right for Dak Prescott as well and show leverage and say, maybe I don't show up. Ooh. Maybe I do something a little different. Uh, to, to get what I absolutely want because he's been he's going to go, uh, gone along company line for the longest time. Everything you just said right there made me think that Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones, if the whole locker room knew that he was going to do what's right by the team, all the posturing by both sides, none of it mattered because they knew at the end they would have a deal. That's that's a very interesting thing to know if you're on the side that has to negotiate the deal to give up your own money, knowing that that person, hey, this guy, such a good guy, this guy. Now, granted, that would probably warrant a long-term deal, and let's get this right because he is such a good guy. But also, let's remember – good guy won't be doing anything to really screw us over in the end that is a, that's an interesting that's a, exactly 
That's a very exactly. interesting thing there with Dak. Uh, do you think he signed the franchise tag when everybody thought he wasn't going to until July 15th so that he and Mike McCarthy can get to work, whether it's via Absolutely. Zoom calls, FaceTime, stuff Absolutely. like that? Absolutely. You know, I think this is more about, you know, not only him, but there's a lot of players within that locker room. It's a new start. Coach McCarthy brings in something that's a little different than, than what they've had in the past with Jason Garrett. Uh, they all have to get on the same page. And with Corona, you know, there, there has not been a lot of face-to-face with the players. It's been – everything's been virtual. So they, they're playing from behind right now. And a guy like Dak, he's going to have to get his hands in his, uh, around this offense. So, you know, sign the deal. You know you're going to be playing this year at some point. Uh, sign the deal. Let's get into camp. Let's get into uh, to knowing what Coach McCarthy wants, what's, what his strengths and weaknesses are, how I fit into this scheme, and let's move forward. Let's get going. And I think that's the mentality. Darren, you're a three-time Super Bowl champ, all-pro, Cowboys Ring of Honor member. I mean, legend through and through in the NFL. Do you see any chance that the NFL doesn't go off without a hitch? I mean, maybe there'll be no fans in the stands, but I see zero possibility that the NFL bends or breaks because of the COVID-19. I I honestly, I see them going off. Here we go. This is our season. They made that, they they announced that schedule and there was no alternatives. There was no like, if this happens, this happens. The NFL is like, this is what we're doing. And if COVID-19 don't like it, they can get the hell out (laughs) or do whatever they need to do. I think that's what the NFL is going to do. I think Absolutely. I, hey, Pat, I'm right there with you. It's 32 owners that have been strong-minded owners for the longest time. They're, this season is going to go. I think the NFL is a different monster than Major League Baseball, than the NBA. They are strong-headed, and they're, they're going to say, the season is going to start. We're not going to bend. We're going to go. We're going to move forward. Corona, you figure it out. <laughs> I can really see Roger Goodell, by the way, in his basement with the M and M's. Corona's just going to have to figure it out. Just, <laughs> Darren, does uh, Jamal Adams have to be traded at this point? Because, uh, like Pat was talking about yesterday, like walking into that locker room after all this news comes out, like how hard would that be? And it, is there any chance that it would be to the Cowboys? Man, I, you know what, guys? I'm not sure, man. I, I really, you know, you, you always look. I'm, a, I'm the biggest Jamal Adams fan out there it's good and I, I know what he said it's probably ruffled some feathers within his own locker room probably has you know part of it but you know this kid has been you know first of all the jets don't have a whole lot of talents just to be playing around with right <laughs> they stink, i mean yeah. so th- th- that's one thing and you're talking about their top maybe top two three guy best player on their football team uh outside of sam Darnold. so you know this is a guy that you need to get signed don't play games with him Get him signed. He's a young football player. Get him signed. Now, if they do trade him, I don't know if it's, you know, we always say, well, you know, a player is going to go to certain a certain team, but it never happens. It never happens that way. He ends up going somewhere else. They find another trade partner and they move on. Do the Cowboys want him? Absolutely. Are the Cowboys going to be willing to, to give up um, what the Jets want in return? Probably not. That's not. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the Cowboys are going to play hardball in this situation. We talked about this the other day with Jamal Adams wanting out in the Instagram post, and then he, I believe, just last night he said he's going to miss balling with a, another Jet teammate. So I mean, he's doubling, tripling down on the, his yeah. message that he wants out of there. And obviously, his agent talked to Schefter and lists off all these things. But the thing about the NFL is. The players have no choice. No control. None. 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 A lot of people are tweeting us like, it doesn't matter. He's not going anywhere if if the Jets don't want him to go. And 
By the way, that's 100% true. Like, if the yeah. Jets don't want to move him, they don't care how miserable he is. If he wants to sit out, do whatever you got to do, they can hold on to him as long as they want. And that is a very interesting situation for Jamal. And that is a disgruntled situation for a young man to be in. Oh, yeah. That's at his peak of his career. It's to say, the team really doesn't want me. They don't want to do a long-term deal. They're not willing to trade me. They're sitting me in this locker room. The guys in this locker room are looking at me sideways by the fact that, yeah, I made some comments. Uh, and now I got to go out and play and get the fan base rally behind me. That's a tough situation to be in, man. Uh, I don't listen. I don't admire that situation for for uh, uh, for him, but at the same time, he laid that he made that bed, bro. <laughs> he made that bed. Now you got to figure it out. How long did you play for the Cowboys? Thirteen. Was that the only place you played? That's the only place I know. Wow. Clues. Yeah. That's awesome because yeah. we had Robert Mathis in here. I only played for the Colts for eight years. Robert Mathis came in 14 years. He only played for the, the Colts. And I was Colts. talking to him about how that rarely happens, especially with the Cowboys. That very rarely happens. Good for you, man. Yeah, yeah. Was, hey, tell you what, it was a nice run, man. And, I, and I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. We talk about the Jones family, and I'm probably one of the hardest ones that go down, go on the Joneses. And, and, you know, Troy Aikman, of course. Troy does not hold back. <laughs> On Jerry and Steven. A lot of mic but, time for Troy, too. Of- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that, this team, this, that, that family has been special on and off the field. And it's not just myself, it's the Michael Irvins, it's the you asked the Emmett Smiths and the Deion Sanders. The Jones family has been special on and off the field. And I would say even more so off the field in my business endeavors. They have just, they've been, you know, rock solid. And, and, and so it's hard sometimes to come on or go on any show and be negative towards them because you know what they mean, they've meant to, to us in yeah. a lot of ways. But at the same time, when it comes down to football and this business, this is exactly how they treat it. You have to go at them the right, the right <laughs> way because if you don't, you sit back, you're being fake. Okay, we have to get to a break here for radio. What's your podcast? Are you still doing your podcast? Yeah. Hey, am I still doing it? Come on, Pat and Darren, what's your show, man? That's every all- week, brother. Hey, D- tune in. Diggs here listens every single week. He hasn't given me an update in two weeks, so that's 100% on. Diggs, that's on you, Diggs. Yeah, yeah, I'll blame him. Yeah. I-, I will blame yeah, him. But every time yeah. you talk, I enjoy the hell out of it. I appreciate you joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, Cowboys Ring of Honor member, Super Bowl champ, all pro, Darren Woodson. Thank you. Hey, yeah. Hey, that painting is very nice. Very nice painting. Very nice. All right. Sorry to interrupt. Have to tell you about this incredibly fucking cool thing I am learning about here currently. When I heard that at paintyourlife.com, you could have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from a photo that you send in, I thought, wow, what a great idea. That must be so expensive. Wrong. Get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at an affordable price. Choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. Use a friendly platform that lets you order a custom-made hand-painted portrait uh, portrait in less than five minutes. It's a quick and easy process, and you get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. My lady and I are going to do it with our wedding photos, do it with a family photo. Send any picture, yourself, your children, your family, pets, whatever. Or combined photos. It makes the perfect holiday gift. It makes the perfect birthday gift, anniversary gift. We already passed Father's Day, Mother's Day, you name it. It's a thought out, makes you look like a really nice person gift. And it looks beautiful in the house. Meaningful, personal, and can be cherished forever. 
At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded. Guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off. That's almost a fifth. And free shipping. When you text the word PAT to 64000, that's 64000, text the word PAT there, and you'll get 20% off. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. This is a brilliant idea. I'm going to look so damn classy. I'm just going to start sending photos over there. Maybe the mugshot. Let's get the mugshot hand painted. <laughs> Put that thing up. Paint your life. Text Pat to 64,000 and get 20% off. This is like the perfect way to give a gift that looks like you really care. What a brilliant idea. Affordable price, world-class artist, make it happen. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. I know there's a lot of things that could penetrate your ears. The fact that you allowed us to do so, I am forever grateful for. Shout out to the conversations that were had today, too. I enjoyed a lot. We'll be back, Minyana. I'm going on my uh, bachelor, bachelorette weekend. Okay, going to be golfing a little bit. Go ahead and send me motivational tweets, hello tweets, celebratory tweets. Hashtag this is where I'm at, Pat tweets. Can't thank you enough. We're back, Minyana. Be sure to tell a friend if you enjoyed what happened today. Cheers. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.